Amen. Take your Bibles, please, this morning. I want you to turn to two different passages. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Kiddos, you are dismissed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, kind of the, the theme text for this series on forgiveness. And if you're in the Pew Bible, that would be page 1,648. And then the next passage I'd like you to turn to would be Luke 17, Luke chapter 17, and that would be on page 1,465. Two places. Wow. It's kind of hard, I know. Especially on one less hour of sleep. That's really bad, right? To ask you to do that on two different times, two two different passages. Appreciate you being here this morning. And uh, I trust that uh, I trust that your heart is full. I want you to ponder. I want you to ponder a seven-day week in your life. When do you get to do what you just did for the last twenty minutes on your job? Most of us, you can't. Most of you know, you don't get to just sing praise unto God. And uh, I would really encourage you to to love it, to long for it where brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ can come together and they can sing unto Jesus. It's just, it's exciting, exciting times. And uh, so this morning we're going to continue in our series of Will You Forgive Me? And this morning what I want to do is I want to answer some tough questions about forgiveness. I, I gave those to you uh, last week and I, I did that for a reason because I didn't want to chicken out on some of these tough questions. And so I put them up there. I gave them to you, number one, for you to ponder and for you to think about them, but then also to kind of to just force me this week to, to, to answer these. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. As we look at these questions, it's going to be a different type of message, um, and uh, that's okay. Uh, and it's going to be uh, some, sometimes maybe the answer won't be fully sufficient for uh, maybe you, but as I've preached this series, I have tried to, I've tried to think about what would go through your mind as we've gone through it. We looked at the foundation of our forgiveness and how that is in the fact that God doesn't just, God doesn't just say, oh, okay, well, we, we, just, we just won't worry about their sin. No. The foundation for your forgiveness is that God the Father crushed his son. His son was crucified and he bore our sin so that the following week we could learn that we have been forgiven in Christ. And then last week I taught on how you and I, we ought to forgive one another. And it, it's hard to hear. It's, it's, it seems so easy sometimes when you preach texts from the Bible. And so these are the questions that maybe you thought of or that we think of when we hear messages about forgiveness. So I want to read, the, I want to read kind of the, the, the theme text for our series, and that's found in verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. Hopefully you've found it there in your Bible or on your electronic there. Ephesians 4, verse number 32 says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And as I challenged you last week, for you and I to forgive one another based on the fact that we have been forgiven by God in Christ. 
Now look at Luke 17. Luke 17. We're going to begin reading verse number 3. Luke 17. It says, Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, I ought to be honest with you. Does anyone really want to forgive? Does anyone really ever want to need forgiveness? Whether we are giving forgiveness or whether we are receiving forgiveness, it is hard. This series has been hard. Hearing that you ought to forgive is hard. It seems so unfair. What was done unto me or what was said unto me or what I was forced to experience as a child or whatever your story or whatever your scenario is, it seems so unfair for a man to get up and to tell you, you ought to forgive based on the fact that you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. May I point out once again that I have throughout this series that forgiveness apart from Jesus Christ is unnatural. It is only when we understand our need for forgiveness. It is only when we understand Christ's power and his example that is really when we learn to love, when we learn to embrace two of the most liberating acts of love, forgiving and being forgiven. John MacArthur in his book, The Truth About Forgiveness, says, the greatest measuring rod of love in the life of a Christian may be forgiveness because God showed his love to us in terms of what? Forgiveness. God showed you that he loved you by giving you his propitiation in Jesus Christ, his replacement. You and I, we didn't have to go on the cross as that song that we sang twice said. Instead, Jesus did, and you and I, we receive that forgiveness in him. And so forgiveness can be very hard to grant. If we're honest, every Christian commonly wrestles with it. I'm convinced that many, if not most, excuse me, of my Christian counseling sessions are related sometimes to the struggles with forgiveness. It's a subject that does not that poses difficult questions. And so this morning, I'd like to tackle some of the major ones. I'd like to, like to kind of just help us in a different, different type of message this morning to kind of to navigate what I think about when I hear messages on forgiveness or when I read books on forgiveness. I, I kind of I ponder some of these, and maybe you as well have thought about these. And so I want to I do my best this morning to try to, try to answer those, to kind of meet you where you're at. First question would be this. What is the difference between true repentance and a mere apology? What's the difference between true repentance and a mere apology? Uh, oftentimes my son or my daughter will do something, you know, they'll, you know, they'll do just something real quick, and just a real quick response is, oh, I'm sorry. You know, what's the difference between true repentance and a mere apology? 
Well, here's what it is. Genuine repentance always involves the confession of the wrongdoing and a willingness to make things right. An apology often takes kind of, hear me, kind of takes the form of an excuse. The word apology comes from the Greek word apologia, which literally means a speech in defense of. You know, like you've heard of maybe a, co- a class called apologetics. And I-, I took one of those classes, you know, in-, in Bible college where you learn how to defend the faith. You learn how to defend the doctrines. You learn how to defend the resurrection and the cross. And, and that's what an apology comes from. It's the Greek word apologia, which literally means a speech of defense. And so oftentimes an apology is simply that. It's a mere self-defense. Here's what, here's what oftentimes, I'm not trying to accuse every one of your apologies to sound like this, but here's often what an apology will sound like. I'm sorry if you took offense to that, but. We'll say things like, oh, man, you know, I, I, I'm so sorry that, you know, that, that, that I said what I said, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just going on like no sleep. Or, and so what we do is we, we, we say that we're sorry, but then we try to excuse ourselves for why we did what we did. Well, you know, someone cut me off or whatever the case is. I lost my job today. You know, um, uh, you know my, my spouse said something mean to me this morning. And so, you know what, I'm just, that's why I am today. I'm sorry that you were offended by that. But, however, a genuine repentance is properly expressed in an, an admission of the wrongdoing, then with a plea for forgiveness. It sounds something like this. I was unloving in what I said. Will you forgive me? I am sorry that I did that. Will you please forgive me? No justification needed. No reasoning. No, no self-defense. No inner lawyer inside of you saying, yeah, but... You hear a message on, you need to forgive others, and we say, yeah, yeah, but. You, they, and we, this inner lawyer within us gets very, very active. I pay mine extremely well, because he defends me often. Be cautious of using mere apologetic language in place of genuine repentance. Okay, question number two, question number two. Is repentance necessary for forgiveness? Is repentance necessary for forgiveness? There are, this is the, honestly, this is a sticky one. You're going to kind of have to, you're going to kind of have to follow me with this. We're going to kind of, we're going to talk through this one a little bit this morning. Okay? There are some sins for which forgiveness is completely unconditional. You and I, we do not have, we, we, we must, it's unconditional. We see some of that in Galatians 6 verse 1. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The idea conveyed by the word overtaken, which you get again, brethren, if a man be overtaken, that, that that word kind of indicates that the person was caught off guard, or they were caught unawares, or they were, they were trapped by the sin. 
Here's what it means. It means that it wasn't premeditated. Okay? Like some people, they're going to sin against you, and it's flat out premeditated. They're thinking. They know exactly what they are doing when they are sinning against you. That's not what this text is talking about. Paul is saying, hey, listen, there's going to be times where someone doesn't get enough sleep like last night, all of us, right? So can I say whatever I want this morning? Okay, but you know, where, where, where that is a reality, where, where, where they did have a bad morning, where they got up and the kids weren't perfect. That's like every day in my home, but it's, you know, maybe, maybe that is yours as well. And so they, they say something or they do something to you. It's not premeditated. You and I, forgive. Forgive right away. Jesus, he had, some, he had something to say about this. He said in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. There's no mention of seeking out the offending person or the person that brought the offense towards you. The forgiveness is supposed to be immediate and then praying can continue. So as you're praying, the Holy Spirit brings something upon your heart, an ought or a, where, where, where you haven't forgiven someone, someone has done something unto you, clearly not premeditated, you're supposed to just forgive in that moment without any repentance, without anybody saying, hey, I'm sorry, or I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? None of that would be required for this. For these unplanned, unintentional can I put say lapses in people's lives? They're they're just they're overtaken. They kind of they kind of just stumble and then they sin against you. The uh, the principle in First Peter three eighteen says that that, that, that love covers the multitude of sins. That that principle would would ride in this case here. When when, when um, Paul tells us in in First Corinthians thirteen that if you have true love towards someone, you're not going to keep a record, right? We we looked at that last week. And so this kind of covers those types of things. Someone is kind of, they kind of stumble into sin, and you just happen to be the, bener, the, 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 benefact, the benefactor of it. I'm not sure we ever benefit from other people's sin, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. We kind of, we're, we're the casualty, so to speak. They accidentally do it. It's not premeditated. Boom, forgive. Whether or not they say, hey, I'm sorry. It's just quick. It's like, no, you forgive them. Okay? But there seems, you hear me? There seems to be some sins that are to be forgiven only if the person repents. Again, you might not like all of my answers to these questions, and that's okay, because I don't even like all my answers. Mike and I have been in the office this week just bantering back and forth in, 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 in a good way, you know, about these things. These are the willful, premeditated, habitual sins. Sins that have become the pattern and the direction of this person's life. There seems to be sin. These are the types of sins that call for the church discipline that's set forth in Matthew 18. Let's kind of go through that. Matthew 18, let's go slowly. Verse 15, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against you, sin against you, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Let me just say real quick before you go on to the next one. A lot of times we don't go one-on-one to that person. That's a big problem. 
You know what we do? Someone sins against us. Someone does something against us. And so you know what we do? We grab Mike Florendo and grab him and we go. Right? You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to validate ourselves. We're trying to, we're, 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 we're trying to garner some support. We're trying to, you know, we're, listen, this can happen in church services. We're going to be careful of that. Okay? If you've got a problem, go to the person. Okay, moving on. Verse 16. Okay? But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. Then you go talk to somebody else. If you got an issue, talk to the person one-on-one. Don't try to garner support from other people. Don't try to get other people on your side before you say, well, you know, hey, I've talked to so-and-so, and this is an issue in your life. No, no, no. You go to the person one-on-one. If they won't hear you, if they won't repent, if they won't change, then you go garner some support, if you want to put it that way. And you go, and then you talk to the person. Verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it under the church. But if you neglect, if you neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee, verse 17, as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Look at verse number 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Woo, we use that verse like, hey, two people are together, you know, God's in the midst. Mike taught a wonderful lesson on this in our midweek Bible study on how we take verses out of the context. This context is forgiveness. When you and I are in agreement on forgiveness, when you and I, hey, when we can, when we can restore, it's restoration. When we can restore a brother, when we can restore a sister, man, God's in the midst of that. It's all about that. Now keep going. Verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, we looked at this last week, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Remember why? The, uh, the, 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 the rabbi said, hey, you only had to do it three times. And so Peter, you know, being, you know, like most of us, hey, well, I want to be a little bit more spiritual than other people. So, hey, let me double that plus one. How about seven times, Jesus? And what did Jesus say? no. 70 times 7. Now, does that mean that you are to keep record of someone's sins against you 490 times? Yes or no? Last week, people, no. It's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, man, if you're really going to forgive it, then guess what? You're not keeping track. You're not keeping record. What Jesus is saying is, as men and women, be forgiving. But the, te- the context lends itself to, man, if there's just no sin or if there's no repentance, Yet even these sins, even these types of sins, when there's genuine repentance, you and I, we ought to try to fully forgive. I realize that I know who I'm talking to. I have the privilege of being your pastor. I have the privilege of talking to many of you in confidence, and that's where it stays, and I know who I'm talking to. I know how hard this is. I know what's been done unto you. I know what's been said unto you. I know it's been done unto family members. I know how hard it is. In cases where there's no repentance on the part of the perpetrator, what is the most important thing is that bitterness does not gain a foothold in the heart of you. 
And where there is no apology, where there is no repentance, where they've never said they're sorry, whether there's been no attempts of restoration whatsoever, you and I, what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to give it over to God who judgeth righteously. That's what Peter told us. We just, we just give it over to God. We just say, God, I, 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 I can't necessarily face that person There's never been any restitution. We're not just talking about like an unkind word here. We're talking about like physical harm, that type of stuff. Maybe maybe murder, you know, these, these radical types of things. It can be very difficult. I get that. And so the author of Hebrews tells us this, Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. What's going to happen? It sticks with you, right? And then every once in a while, it springs up. You, get, you, know, you know what you have to do at that moment? No. God, I, God I, I give it back to you. I was talking to a man this week, and they were talking about how, how they were raised and how they were kind of neglected by their father, basically, of their entire life, you know, raised by by someone else, and we were kind of we were kind of talking through this idea of of forgiveness, and it was interesting that there was statements like, "Well, of course I've forgiven him." You know, I mean, this person, of course, is now a totally grown man. Father's not even in the picture, whatnot. He he neglected. I was God was good. He helped in other ways. Aren't you glad that he's a father to the fatherless? Come on, that's what the Bible says. God intervenes. His grace is so good. Still blesses. And, oh, I've, I've forgiven. I'm good. And no doubt that's true. And here was the question I asked. I said, well, what if they were to walk in the door right now and they were to say, hi, so-and-so. You know what, you know what happens at those moments? It springs up. And you don't want to get bitter. So you give it over to God. It's never been fully restored. I get that. Some of your situations, honestly, it's probably not wise for there to be that restoration like where you and I can sit in the same room and have a cup of coffee. Some of the things that have happened to you, no, 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 that's not going to be an option. Just kind of smarts wise. But every single time you're confronted, every single time, oh, listen, if those of you that were part of our revival on, on Tuesday night, the spiritual warfare, when Satan, you're, you're, you're sitting at your computer desk working on who knows what it is you're working on, then all of a sudden Satan flings a fiery dart right into your life and you start thinking about what happened. It's at that moment, take the provision in Jesus Christ that we learned, beautiful message, Tuesday night. It's on our church, it's on our church app. If you, if you weren't here that Tuesday night of the revival, I'd encourage you to listen to it. And at that moment, that bitterness, that the, the, the reality of what was done unto you or said unto you or done unto someone else, it begins to spring back up. That's real life, right? Right? Absolutely. Man, there's people that I've forgiven, but boy, man, if they walked in right here and started walking down that aisle, like, uh, you know, guys, can you take care of it? Why? You just, mm, you say, God, I'm going to give it over to you again. You say, Ryan, but there was never any repentance. You're going to have to give it over to God or it's going to eat you alive. And guess what? Then it's going to defile many others. It begins to dominate your life. And then it begins to dominate others. Following me? We okay? There are times when you may not get the chance 
to profess or demonstrate forgiveness because you have a remorseless wrongdoer. That's life. And for some of you, it is a literal reality. But you can maintain a forgiving disposition in your spirit, and you can then begin to move on in your life. Can I say this? I don't mean to be cavalier with this. You must move on in your life. Because here's what I can promise thee, promise you. The ideas and the thoughts, the fiery darts that are dominating your life, that other person probably hasn't thought about you in weeks and months and years. So here's what you got to say. Take this the right way. I love people in general, but that person is not worthy of that dominating your life. Love people. I, I, I get that. But it's just like, God, no, I'm not letting this control me today. You're going to make that decision today, hopefully. I, I'm, I'm going to call you to make that decision this morning. Guess what? You're going to have to do it tomorrow morning, too. And the next morning, and the next morning, man, Satan's going to fire that dart at you. Someone's going to bring up a scenario like, well, what if they walked in that door right now? God, help me with this. Okay, question number three. We good? Question number three. How should we handle repeat offenses? Repeat offenses. Well, that's kind of the text that we looked at there. And Jesus answered this question. Let's look at it again. Luke 17, verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if you repent, forgive him. And if you trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So again, our forgiveness, these are going to start to kind of overlap as we go through this uh, message. Forgiveness is supposed to be, honestly, it's supposed to be kind of an extravagance in your life. You're supposed to be lavish with your forgiveness. You're supposed to give it freely offered, unconstrained. So even when there's a repeat offender, again, we're not talking about what, you know, this premeditated, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurt this person. That's, you know, that's going to have some deeper, deeper effects. That's going to have some, um, some deeper spiritual work that you need to do. But this, where they're just kind of overtaken in a fault, they just, you know, they're constantly, in a sense, you're just the, uh, you know, you're, you're the recipient of their sin. Well, they keep doing it, Pastor. Keep forgiven. How many times have you been a repeat offender to God? A lot, right? And he's our example. Forgives you, forgives me, in Jesus Christ. And so you and I, let's, let's, keep, let's keep forgiving. What if they keep doing the same thing? Keep forgiving. Question number four. What if you think the offender's repentance is not genuine? Hmm. What if you think it's all a sham? What if you think it's just a joke? Some people have a hard time with Jesus' words in Luke 17. Sometimes people, one, one author kind of painted this hypothetical scenario where someone kind of comes up to you and they say, hey, Mike, how you doing? And they punch you in the nose. Hey, I'm sorry. Please, please forgive me. I, I was wrong. Well, of course, of course, Ryan, I'll forgive you. A couple of moments later, boom, I do it again. Three, four, five, six. Well, I'm only not doing it seven times, right, according to the text. And so sometimes people have very wooden, hypothetical types of things. Listen, you and I were to use our noggins. Jesus was not saying those types of things. 
Jesus wasn't saying that when you have a person that is just uh, literally, you know, they, they, they've just got issues to where they, don't, they, 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 they obviously don't have, they don't have love and they're just going to continue to hurt you. They're going to continue. Okay, obviously, you, you probably ought to just literally remove yourself from that person. Okay? But, you know, what we're talking about is when someone is just, you know, maybe kind of stumbling into these types of things, you're like, oh, man, they're not really sorry. Let me ask you a question. Are you God? Do you really know if they're sorry? Every single time you forgive someone that says, I am sorry, you are going to have to, by faith, give that over to God. Because you really don't know. You really don't. You don't know if they're just trying to remove themselves from a sticky situation. You don't know. Okay, you husbands, you don't know if your wife is being genuine. Wives, you really don't know if your husband's being genuine. Again, I'm not trying to cause like all kinds of strife in your home today. But the reality is, is that, man, you, you commit by faith, Right? I said, until death do us part. This didn't mean everything was going to be, you know, just perfect and, and, and rosy. It's important to be cautious of artificial repentance. I get that. But deliberately repeated offenses, especially when accompanied by repentance, they're, you and I, we've, we've got to say, okay, is this, just, is this phony? It just have repeated over and over and over evil done against us? Then, then we're, we're different. Because John the Baptist, he, uh, the, the Pharisees, they, they wanted to be baptized. And you know, so John the Baptist kind of gives a, gives a precedence for this. When he said in Matthew 3, verse 8, it says, Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat uh, for repentance. You know, what Paul, you know what John was saying? John was saying, hey, let's see some fruit first. Okay, you've, you've, again, our hypothetical, I know it's a really bad example. You know, you, okay, you've punched me in the nose a bunch of times. You know, can we like see some? Can we see some fruit that you're not going to do it again? You know, can we? Can we? Can we show? Can you show some things of repentance? But even with multiple offenses, the offended person must be prepared to forgive. The person must be eager to forgive, unless there remains some very compelling reason to doubt the offender's profession of repentance. I want to put this statement up on the screen here. Even the hardest and most deliberate offender should never be permanently written off. Rather, complete forgiveness and reconciliation should remain the offender, the offended person's goal. Doesn't mean that it might that it, that it will happen. Because guess what? It takes two to tango, right? Hundred percent. But the heart. That's that's what. You all are here. That offend, the person that offended you, the person that sinned against you, the person that, that harmed you, and oh, they're, they're not here. You're the ones that are here. And so we're, we're trying, God, help me. And I've been praying this for the weeks. God, help me with my heart. And so I want a heart that says, yes, I would like the restoration. Now, again, there's certain situations where even that face-to-face type of thing is probably not a healthy thing. However, there ought to be a heart that desires to forgive. We okay? Doing good? Number five. Number five. We've only got seven, so we'll, we'll, we'll get out of here before one. Okay? To whom should we confess our sins? To whom should we confess our sins? Confession of guilt must always be made to God. 
Even you, you look in Psalm 51, you know, obviously David had sinned against Bathsheba and really the, the, the whole nation of Israel by killing Uriah, lied, all that. But in Psalm 51, he was confessing, he realizes that that, that sin was actually as unto the Lord. And so he confesses that, 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 that guilt before the Lord. However, confession is also owed to someone who was sinned against, where there was some form of an injury. The arena of confession, hear me, should be as large as the audience of the original offense. So you and I, we've got to be careful how we just say, okay, we make a huge stink about something, and a ton of people are affected, and we only go to one person, we apologize, there's, there's an issue with that. Public transgressions call for a public confession, okay? Private sins should be confessed to God alone and maybe one of your close counselors or, you know, or, or, or someone, that, someone that you trust. Only actual injuries require confession of a wrong, okay? I think it would be very inappropriate, since I am a man, I'll just use this illustration as a man. It would be very inappropriate for a man who saw a woman, maybe at a mall or something like that, had lustful thoughts, gets convicted, you don't go up to that woman and say, hey, I'm sorry, I had impure thought. No, 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 no. God, I acknowledge that was wrong. Help me with this, okay? You don't, if, if, if they don't even know about it, you don't necessarily need to go. However, that is not the case with everything, all right? So let's say I've been having some problems with Mike, and I come down, and I begin to talk to Pablo, and I begin to talk to Marquita, and I begin to talk to other people about my problem with, you know, Stinker Mike over there. I tell my kids that they can't call each other stinkers, but Stinker Mike over there, um, that's what he doesn't know. God convicts me. I was wrong. I've got to, you know, so, so this message is dealing with both, obviously, Ben sinned against, but sometimes you sin against others. So who should, you, who should you go confess to? Well, obviously, I need to go confess to every single person that I started to malign Mike with. And then I need to go to him and I say, you know, I'm sorry. I spoke evil against you. You know what? Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't get mad at me. This doesn't happen in churches anymore. You know what happens in churches? We just, man, we just hope that thing just gets under the ground. You know what? We ought to say our sorry and apologize and repent to some people sometimes. Appreciate the five of you. No, I'm just kidding. I know, listen, I know it's harsh. I know. But it ought, we ought to have such a culture here of grace, not law, of grace that says, man, Mike, I talked to so-and-so about you. I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? And then it's reciprocated. Okay, so who should we... Confess our sins to. Moving on. Number six, when is restitution appropriate? Kind of this is overlapping a little bit here. Whenever an actual loss has been caused by a wrong, restitution is certainly appropriate. The granting of forgiveness for the guilt of the offense does not automatically nullify the need to make restitution. The ultimate goal of restitution ought to be to where you and I can be with that person and everything is okay. Again, I realize there's scenarios that are going to be beyond this and where it's going to be forever for the rest of your life. God, I just give this over to you. God, I just give this over to you. But there's some cases where 
you, your whole goal is, I want full restitution. I want to be able to have coffee. I want to be able to have lunch with this person. Sometimes it's family members. I'd like to be able to have Thanksgiving. And you're not thinking about it. And they're not thinking about it. I believe that God can do that. I believe that he can. I believe God can so radically restore broken people. And that's all we are. You and I were broken. Now we're fixed in Jesus. Praise God. But you still, you, you and I, we still have that, you know, we, we still have that old master of the flesh that we learn about in our revival. Let me give you a, the final one here, the final one, capstone of it. Is the forgiver obligated to forget the offense? Is the, forget, is the forgiver obligated to forget the offense? How many have heard this cliche, forgive and forget? Heard that, right? Probably heard it preached as that's your, that's your way that you get through it. It is so unbiblical because guess why? You can't. You can't forget it. But is it biblically sound? Yes and no. There's obviously no way to purge the memory of an offense. And the more severe the offense, like some of those that I mentioned uh, last week, maybe uh, whether it's you know, some form of mental abuse, physical abuse, whether it's um, murder or whether a drunk driver killed someone in your family or whether there was rape, all those, all those things that we talked about last week, okay? Some of them are far more difficult. But you and I, there isn't a way for us to help us to deal with it as these things come to mind. I've heard people use passages about God and how he forgets our sins. Let's look at a couple of them. Hebrews 8, verse number 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 10, verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Isaiah says about God in Isaiah 43, I, even I, am the blotteth out thy transgressions for he, excuse me, blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. You know what those verses do not say? Those verses do not say that God forgets our sins. Those verses say that God no longer remembers them. So what's the difference? To forget something means that you no longer have a memory of it. Obviously, God, who is omniscient, who is all-knowing, has not lost the memory of our transgressions. Listen, Jesus Christ is a forever memory of your sins. But praise God that in him, he no longer remembers them. He refuses. Here's what it means. Those words, remember. He refuses to call them to mind. God promises to never bring them Let me ask you a question, church. How many of you have been just in your life been reminded of your sin and reminded of your guilt? How many of you can say, yeah, you know, there's time I feel bad. It's never God. It's never God. It's always Satan. 
Sometimes Satan uses people. Husbands and wives, let's not be a tool of Satan to remind our spouse of what they did or what they said. Follow me? Because you know what God says? God says, I am going to choose in my all power and my sovereignty, I'm going to choose to never remember that, to never bring that up again. I'm never, I'm never going to think about it again. Now, the last time I checked, none of you in here are God. And so the reality is, is that day after day after day, what's going to happen is, is it's going to spring up, right? And you got to know who it is. Hear me. You got to know who it is. It's not God. God's not trying to get you to, 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 to revel in once again what has, what, what has happened. It is Satan with a fiery dart throwing this stuff in your life. And you and I, those of you that were in the revival, I encourage every one of you, if you weren't, to listen to our Tuesday night service of our revival. In Christ, you have the authority over all of that. And you just say, no. God, I'm going to take care of this root. You can't get rid of the root. <laughs> You're human. It's going to be there. And when it begins to spring back up, you just, and, you know, just figuratively, you just cut that puppy. How do you do that? You give it back over to God. You say, Ryan, man, I really, I really struggle. This was done unto me, and this was done unto me, and this was, this was said unto me. And, 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 and Ryan, I, I can't, I just can't get the victory. Guess what? You can this morning. And then this afternoon, no, I know, I know you don't like this. This afternoon, you're gonna have to get the victory again. Then tonight, you're gonna have to get the victory again. Then tomorrow, when you when you go to work and, and you're at your seat, and that thing that was said unto you, that thing that was done unto you, whatever it is, I know what some of yours are. You're going to at that moment again need to get the victory. And that's why I tell you week after week, and everybody that we bring in here, we're very careful who we bring in here. And when Pastor Mike preaches, that's why we tell you, listen, that each and every moment of every day, certainly on Sundays, we run back to Jesus because he will forever be your victory. He will forever be your moment by moment satisfaction and enough even when you've been radically sinned against. He'll be enough. They never said sorry. Jesus is enough. They didn't mean it. I can tell. You really can't. But Jesus is enough. I've sinned against somebody else. Man, get that right. Get that right. Go to that person. Say, I'm sorry. Get it right. Say, well, I talked about somebody. Get it right. Well, I listen to somebody talking about somebody. Get it right. That stuff is hideous sin. And Jesus is the victor each and every time in your life. I know that I didn't answer those questions perfectly, but my prayer is, is that God, that God ministered to you here this morning. That God took some of the took some of the re, the real life stuff that when someone gets up and says, Hey, just forgive her everybody. 70 times seven, 490 times. It's a big weight. I tried to 
try to help you through that. Next week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close our series next week with the blessings of forgiveness. Oh, they are amazing when you and I will be men and women of forgiveness. Here's what I want you to do. I'd like no one to move here in a moment, even our, even our worship team. Head bows, eyes closed, please. Please, no one looking. How many of you would say, I won't embarrass you, no one look, no one look. Let me be the only one looking, please. How many of you would say, Ryan, over these weeks, God has spoken to my heart through the ministry of the Word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that there is someone, maybe many, that I need to begin to practice this continued forgiveness in my life. I mean, say, Ryan, I want you to pray for me because that's what I'll do. You'd say, that's me. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. you put your hands down. Practice it right now. Run to Jesus. Father, I submit this. I submit this message over to you. And Father, I pray that Lord you would that you would meet us where we're at. God, we so desperately need to be met where we're at. And Father, I'm so thankful that when we look back on our life and we see the moment of when we trusted Christ as our Savior. There was not a requirement of cleaning up first before you met us where we were at. And God, in our hearts of unforgiveness, this morning I pray that God you'd give us the victory of release of the person or persons. And then God, I also pray that Lord, if there's areas where we need to go and to seek that restoration, where we need to go and seek that forgiveness from others, that, Father, you'd give us a boldness to be able to do exactly that. And, Lord, we pray that you get all the glory for everything that is said and done. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can look this way.